ready to wrap it up as far as our Bible study on Thursday night on the parables. And uh, how could we not, uh, as we're teaching through the parables, not teach on probably uh, the most famous of, uh, or at least one of the most famous or top three to five parables, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Amen? The parable of the Good Samaritan. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 10 tonight. Luke chapter 10, if you find your place. And as we always do, let's stand in reverence to the reading of the Word of God. Uh, Luke chapter 10, and uh, we're going to begin reading in verse 25, and I'll, uh, we'll read down uh, through verse 37. The Bible says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind. And thy neighbor is thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Here's a guy who thought he was going to get one over on Jesus, all right? Well, Lord, just who is my neighbor? Verse 30 through 37, Jesus gives the parable to answer the question. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell amongst thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And when he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thankest thou was neighbor to him that fell amongst thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you again, God, for allowing us to be in your house. Lord, around your people, singing your praises. Now, as we turn our attention for a few moments to the teaching and preaching of your word, I ask you to speak to us through it, Lord. We need to hear from you tonight. God, I pray that you would uh, use this message to help us to do as you uh, commanded that lawyer, Lord, to go and do that likewise. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The parable of the Good Samaritan. Again, this lawyer came to try and question Jesus, and, and uh, those types of folks were always trying to, you know, uh, trick Jesus into uh, answering them a certain way. Of course, he being the Son of God, knew what they were trying to do, and always had the right answer for them. But he asked the question, who is my neighbor? The answer is this, those who are in need. And since all men have needs, guess what? All people are our neighbors. Amen? And then Jesus gave this uh, story of the Good Samaritan to illustrate uh, how it is we are to treat other people. Now, the main teaching of this parable uh, would be that of, if we could sum it up in one word, it's the word compassion. Compassion. The Bible says in the book of Jude, and we studied through this at the beginning of the year when we studied through that book, uh, but uh, the, the, the famous verse 22 of the book of Jude, and if some have compassion, making a difference. Let me just say this. If we're going to, in the Christian life, ever be used of the Lord to, to impact people, we must learn what it is to have compassion. Amen? Amen. Compassion. 
And verse, or I'm sorry, the parable here of the Good Samaritan illustrates perfectly what compassion is. Now, what's amazing about this parable is what it's about. We say the Good Samaritan, and in our minds today, uh, that is kind of, you know, taken a meaning as far as somebody who does good to other people. That's kind of what it means to us, and that's partially true, but you need to understand the history of what makes this parable so remarkable, okay? And I'm sure I've taught, taught you this before, uh, but uh, the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along, okay? There was a major prejudice because the Samaritans were half Jew, half Gentile. And in the Jews' minds, uh, they were a lower class. And so the Jews avoided the Samaritans, and the Samaritans, for the most part, avoided the Jews. There was, there was bad blood between these two groups. And what's interesting is the person here that's doing the help, the person that's showing the compassion, aren't necessarily the people who you think ought to be the ones doing it. It is a Samaritan that's showing the compassion to this person. And, and this, this, this parable illustrates the way we as Christians today need to show compassion to other people. So let's look at this, break it down. Let's learn a, a few truths from this tonight. First of all, in order for us to have a good Samaritan uh, uh, attitude or, or a compassionate attitude, the first thing we see is that we must have a seeking love. A seeking love. Notice what it says in verse 33. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, notice here, came where he was. Came where he was. Now, again, verse 30 tells us the scenario. It sets it up. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. So, so, so picture with me, if you will, uh, what, what just transpired. Uh, the fact that there was this person who was robbed and, and, and beaten and literally left on the road half dead. All right? And, and it was the Samaritan we see in verse 33 came where he was, amen? And uh, you know, notice the, the Samaritan did what others would not do. Because verse 31 and 32, by the way, the Samaritan wasn't the first one to pass that way. Who passed away first? Verse 31, a priest. By the way, come on. You would think the person that would have the compassion would be the preacher of the day. But that wasn't the case. And then verse 32, a Levite. Who were the Levites? The Levites were the ministers that waited on the offices in the tabernacle. Again, was what was the people that were supposed to be the direct workers of God's work. So you basically had the preachers of the day who ought to have been the ones that should have led in showing compassion. But you know what they did? They walked on by. They ignored the issue. They ignored the problem. All right? But the Samaritan... He went to where the problem was. By the way, it kind of reminds me of somebody who left someplace to come to where the problem was at. Amen? By the way, Jesus didn't have to leave heaven. He chose to leave heaven. And he condescended to come to where we were at. Amen? He came to this place, the Bible says, to seek and to save that which was, was lost. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. And by the way, if we're going to be able to show compassion, you know what we've got to do? We've got to go to where the, those that need compassion are at. Amen? By the way, for the most part, uh, the church house isn't necessarily uh, the, the place where to, uh, the, the, or should I say, the main place where the gospel ought to be preached. In fact, the Bible tells for us when we're to preach the gospel, you know what word almost always comes before the command to preach the gospel? All right, that two simple letter, letter word, you know what it is? Go, amen? Go. 
And I'm going to say, you know what that means? That means we've got to have a seeking love. We've got to seek out those who are lost. Seek out those who need the Lord. By the way, uh, that's what we as Christians ought to be doing. We ought to be in the seeking business. Amen? By the way, I wonder, as we look around our church and what God's doing here, uh, truth be told, <clears throat> the reason a lot of people are here is because somebody sought them out. Amen? Right. Somebody took the time to invite. Somebody took the time to care. Somebody took the time to make a phone call. Somebody took the time to say, hey, I want you to come with me and experience what God's doing in my life and in my church's life. Amen? Right. Somebody sought it out. Let me just say this, folks. A life of compassion is a life of seeking. Let me say this as Christians. We need to have our spiritual eyes open to those who are in need of a Savior. Amen. By the way, you know where they're at? Everywhere. Right. Yep. Everywhere. By the way, whether they know it or not, they need what we have. Now, I get it. We don't make people do anything, okay? When you come to God, it's on a voluntary basis only, all right, as far as of your own uh, volition. But let me say this. I believe that there's prepared hearts out there that God's waiting uh, for, to, 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 for us to cross paths with so that we can tell them about what God's doing for us, amen? But you know what? We've got to have a seeking attitude. That's why we have a missions program, so that we can support missionaries to go in our place, the places where we don't go, to seek out those that were lost. Amen? That's why we have evangelistic things that we do around the church, so we can seek out people who need what we have. Amen? So if you're going to have compassion, first of all, you must have a seeking love. The second thing is this, we must have a sympathetic love. Now, this goes right back to what we've been talking about, and that's the word compassion. Verse 33, it says that specifically. Typically, it says, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Now, folks, just as this good Samaritan had compassion on the poor man who fell amongst thieves, we too must have a heart of love filled with compassion. And by the way, let me say this. That doesn't come from the natural man. Okay? Now, the natural man does not produce compassion toward people. You know what the, the, the natural man produces? A love for self. Right. Selfishness, yeah. self-caring, okay? Let me tell you, the only way you're truly going to have compassion is to allow God to love people through you. Right. Yeah. Amen? To allow God His love. Let me just say this. You know what we are as Christians? We're, we ought to be a conduit, amen? Yeah. A conduit where the Holy Spirit can flow, where God's love can flow, pass through us onto others. First Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, be all of one mind. Notice here, having compassion one of another. Love us, brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. And by the way, this particular verse isn't necessarily referring to lost people, although we can apply that principle to the lost. It's talking about having compassion, one of another, love as brethren. Right. We need to be having compassion even amongst ourselves as fellow brothers and sisters of Christ. By the way, love without compassion is not love at all. Mm -hmm. You know what it is? It's empty words without meaning. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, the, the, the great chapter of love. The Apostle Paul says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. What he's saying is this. I could talk the talk, but if I don't back up my talk, think about what the illustration he's using here. Sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. All right? If you've ever heard an orchestra uh, or a band, then you know you the cymbals. And, and you know what? Unless those cymbals are used at the right time, the right way, you know what cymbals are? They're annoying. Yeah. <laughs> okay? I mean, if I just walk through them, clang, clang, 
you'd have a headache real quick, right? So you know what he's trying to tell us here? Is that words not backed up by action are annoying to God. They mean nothing. Amen? They mean nothing. And that's why we must back up what we say by what we do. Compassion is not just seeing a need or talking about a need, but allowing the Holy Spirit to help you find a way to meet the need. Amen? I had a person call me up one time and say, uh, hey, pastor, uh, uh, so-and-so, uh, I, I found so-and-so, and they need help. When can you come and help them? I said, hey, here's an idea. The Holy Spirit put you across their path. You help them. Well, I never thought about that. I said, well, that's why you have a pastor, to help you think about it. You take care of it. Amen? All right? I mean, come on, folks. I mean, it's not just a certain uh, person's job or group. It's all of our jobs, all right? To, as God brings needs across our path, hey, here's an idea. Why don't you fill that need? Amen? Here's what it said about Jesus in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad of the sheep having no shepherd. And then you know what Jesus went on to do? He went on to meet their spiritual need and their physical needs. Amen? And that's what compassion is. So we must not just have a seeking love. We must have a sympathetic love or a compassionate love. How about this? We must have a service of love. Now notice here, notice how this keeps progressing. He sought it out, and then, 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 then the compassion part was the part of him that uh, you know saw the need, recognized the need, and notice here what else he did. Look at verse 34. And he went to him, and notice here, here's where it gets real. Okay, here's where it gets real. And bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. So the Good Samaritan didn't just stop with seeking and feeling compassion. He allowed his compassion to turn into something tangible and did something for the man in need. By the way, you know what you know what that means? Think about it, okay? I mean, let's picture it in our mind what's going on here. Here's a man beaten half to death. It wasn't a pretty sight, okay? All right? The Bible says he was stripped from his clothes. I mean, we're talking about nitty-gritty stuff here, okay? And so if you're going to bind up someone's wound pouring in oil and wine, guess what that means? You're going to get bloody. Okay? You're going to get down to nitty-gritty. It's going, to, it's going, it's going to, you're going to, this isn't just something you say, it's something literally that's going to affect you in a personal way. And you know what? Again, we, we talk about uh, being uh, a servant, we talk about uh, being in service, but folks, let me just say this, alright? When it comes to the Christian life, God thinks being a servant is pretty important. You know the word servant, serve and serve, a service is used over 491 times in the Bible. Here's what, oh, by the way, again, it's not just something God said, it's something he did. He set the example, right? Jesus, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. By the way, if the Son of God could do it, what's our excuse? Right? Yeah. right? Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God? but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, amen, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. By the way, had Jesus Christ wanted to, he could have came down as he's going to do one of these days as the king of glory and demanded all mankind worship him and would have been just and right in doing so. But that's not how he chose to come. And man, we're going to celebrate here next month. I'll be preaching some messages on it. Amen. But no, you know how he came? In the form of a servant. Think about that. You know what the most amazing part to me about Christ coming was the humble way he came. We're talking about the creator 
I just read it this week, Colossians. Literally, he created all things. He was before all things. By him, all things consist. The creator, amen, chose to come as a baby. By the way, doing what babies do. I mean, how humbling would that be? I mean, who in their right mind as an adult would say, I want to go back and be a baby again, right? Now, I know there's a lot of people mentally that's doing that, okay? But as far as physically, are you kidding me? I wouldn't want to be a baby again, all right? No, but Jesus Christ came, set that example as a servant. So then he said, said for us, okay, I did it. Now, guess what? You're my follower. You're, not, you're my disciple. You do it, right? Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 through 28. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be greatest among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Let me tell you as Christians, what we ought to be in? Servant mode. Servant mode. Looking for ways that we can serve. Young people, you ought to be in service to your parents. Uh, we ought to be in service to our church. We ought to be in service to the people in our life, in service to the lost, and most important, in service to our God. Amen? Now, the reason we, as Christians, uh, don't want to be servants is because we're too busy serving ourselves and our wants and our desires. I'm going to say this, folks. That's not where the secret of the Christian life uh, lays at. Amen? It's, it's, it's uh, that and having a servant's love. So if you're going to be compassionate like a good Samaritan, you've got to have a seeking love, a sympathetic love, a servant's love. How about this? A selfless love. Notice what it says here. Again, look how this just keeps going and going. He didn't just go down on the roadside, bind him up a little bit and say, all right, good luck to you. I helped you out the best I could. No, he takes it a, a step further. Notice what it says here. And set him on his own beast and brought him to an end and took care of him. By the way, this was not in his schedule. And he didn't plan on having to take out time of his day doing this. Okay? But you know what? He saw the need. He knew somebody had to meet the need. And he took it upon himself and showed a selfless act of love to meet the need. I didn't see anywhere in the verse where it talked about the good Samaritan not wanting to get his donkey all bloody from the man's wounds. It didn't say anywhere about him being ashamed of being seen in the presence of a beaten man. It doesn't say anywhere where he's upset because he's got to postpone his trip and take the time to care for this man. Let me say this, folks. Selflessness is probably the most important thing we must obtain in order to be a good Samaritan and have compassion. Selflessness. Amen? Listen, if we're not selfless, we won't take the time to seek. If we aren't selfless, we won't have the heart to show sympathy and compassion. If we're not selfless, we won't be interested in having an attitude of servitude. Amen? So you know what the greatest enemy to all this is? Selfishness. Here's what we say. It's my time. It's my life. It's my needs. It's my wants. It's my day. My week. My, 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 my. By the way, if you want to be a my, my, my Christian, you'll never be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Right, yeah. Because you know what Jesus says? Not my, 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 mine, mine, mine. As in everything you have is mine. Right, yeah. Amen? And we owe it as a, and we talked about that last week, our, our attitude when it comes to service to the master. Amen? Jesus sums it up pretty nicely here in Matthew 16, verse 24. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. By the way, that's not the homeboy Jesus attitude in most churches today. Jesus ain't nobody's homeboy. 
He's not trying to be your, your best friend dog, aye? Yeah. The way they treat Jesus now, or, or remake the image of Jesus Christ. That's not who He is. He is our God who demands that we deny ourselves, take up our cross. By the way, what's a cross? A death instrument. Yeah. Death to what? Self. Yeah. Our desires, our wants. And follow me, not follow us. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that's why there's not too many disciples of Jesus Christ. Because most people don't make the cut. They can't take the selflessness because life is all about them. But you know what? If we're going to be a good Samaritan, that's what it takes. And then last of all, here's what we see. It must be a spending love. All right, again, where we keep going further with this thing here, all right? She didn't just take him to the end. Notice what it says, verse 35. And the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Hey, think about this. The good Samaritan paid a price to help someone else. By the way, you know what? It's going to cost us as well if we're going to help others. It's going to cost something, folks. All right? By the way, Jesus never said it's not going to cost. It is going to cost. By the way, here's the thing, all right? It doesn't just cost people to be a good Samaritan and live a life of compassion and live a life of servitude. Do you realize living for the devil costs big time as well? Yeah. Everybody's paying the piper. It's just a matter of who you're paying. It's just a matter of who you're going to be in servitude to. All right? I mean, come on, folks. Last time I checked, people living for the devils paid a pretty high price for it. Yep. All right? Again, did not Jesus set the example in this area? It cost Jesus leaving heaven as the Prince of Glory to come and humble himself in the form of flesh to be born in the manger. It cost Jesus the shame and reproach as he was stripped, spat upon, mocked by his own creation. It cost Jesus separation from the Father as he became sin for us. It cost his own life's blood dying the most cruel way a person could ever die in order for us to be able to enter the gates of heaven. It cost Jesus to be the perfect example of the ultimate good Samaritan. So what makes us think it won't cost us something also? Amen? Well, let me just say this, folks. It is a price worth paying. It's a price worth paying. By the way, it doesn't just pay in this life, although it does. Because let me tell you, living a life of a servant, living a life of a good Samaritan, living a life of compassion, there is something that God gives those who live that kind of life. It's called the, the, the peace of God. Amen? It's called the, the joy of the Lord in your heart. It's called uh, having a life that's fulfilling because it's not about us, it's about others. Let me tell you something. That's a void that only living for God that way can fill. Again, I've said this before. Some of the most miserable people in the world are selfish, backslidden Christians. By the way, some of those meanest people in the world are selfish, backslidden Christians. I mean, I've talked to some people in my life, and I would never, the way they act, the way they talk, the way they treat other people, you would never think they're a Christian. But you talk, oh yeah, I'm, I'm saved, I'm a Christian. Really? Well, I can tell this, you sure aren't happy about it. Because happy Christians don't act that way. Amen? I'm not saying from time to time we all have bad days. All right? We're all, none of us are going to bat a thousand. We're going to have bad days from time to time. But what is the direction our life is going? Amen? So listen to me. You know, you, we may ask ourselves, okay, what's it going to cost me to be, be a good Samaritan? But how about this question? All right? What's it going to cost me not to be a good Samaritan? What's it going to cost me not to have compassion? 
I'll tell you, you know what it, it's going to cost? It's going to, it's going to cost not hearing your Savior say, well done, good and faithful servant one of these days. And by the way, living a life down here on earth the way Christ wants for us to live, yeah, I'm not going to lie, you're going to give some stuff up. Okay, You may not be able to do everything your flesh wants to do, but think about what you're trading it for. I mean, you know, again, what God does for us blows my mind. Number one, he saves us, and just the fact that he saves us is enough. Just the fact that he offers us salvation, but he doesn't stop there. Praise God for that. But he, he, he then will pour blessing upon our life. He'll, he'll, pull the, he'll pour the, the peace, the joyful fulfillment upon our life now on earth as Christians. But guess what? He doesn't stop there. Think about what eternity is going to be like. God promises then to reward us for living for him. By the way, we're, we're living for him out of a life or out of a debt of gratitude, out of a debt of servitude because of all he's done for us. But yet, even though we're living our Christian life for him out of debt, he, he chooses to reward us for it anyway. That blows my mind away. I don't deserve to receive a reward in heaven for doing what is my reasonable service. But he gives it to us anyway if we're faithful to him. What a God! Amen? So listen to me, folks. Hey, why don't you just jump on in head first to this thing called the Christian life? Okay? Quit playing games. Quit being halfway with God. Young people, do not fall for the lies of the devil that out there living the world, doing the things of the world, is a better life than serving God. It's not. Amen? And any Christian young person who never follows that lie is flat out miserable today. By the way, not just miserable, you know what a lot of them are? Reprobate. I'm talking about kids used to be in my, in my Christian school, used to be in my youth group, living the reprobate lifestyle today. Miserable. You know why? Because they're living for self. And they didn't figure out this thing about living as a good Samaritan and having compassion. Amen? So the, the parable of the good Samaritan, a seeking love, a sympathetic love, a service of love, a selfless love, a spending love. Now, let's just, let's just go, go one more place and we'll be done. Okay? I want you to imagine one of these days in eternity. By the way, it's closer than any other thing. Okay? I bet Sunday when Roger walked in and talked to me and greeted me and gave me those pictures. In fact, I got them right here in my Bible. When he walked in Sunday morning, he handed me pictures that, that he took at the cookout when we were out there at the house not that long ago. Okay? And when he brought those in to me, and we had a, a good conversation on Sunday, and, and I greeted him and talked to him for a few months, I bet he had no idea within two days he'd be in heaven. None of us know, folks. And by the way, even if God does give us a full lifespan on earth, what's that compared to eternity anyway? All right? So let's imagine for a minute we're in heaven, we're in eternity. And you know what? We chose to live a life of a good Samaritan. We chose to you know, obey the Lord and, and give of our time and give of our treasures and give of our talents to the, to the things of God. Yeah, maybe we didn't have everything down here on earth we could have, but we chose to invest, as the Bible says, in eternal things, and we laid up treasure in heaven. Right. Think about when you're in heaven one of these days, and maybe you're, you're standing there, and somebody comes up to you and maybe tugs on your arm, and you turn around and you see somebody you don't even know. They begin to tell you the story of how they lived in such and such place across the world, maybe some place we never thought about. And they begin to thank you for the fact that they're here in heaven. And you start thinking to yourself, well, what did I do? I didn't go there. I didn't, I didn't ever go and tell anyone there. Oh, wait a minute. It starts to you know what? I sacrificed and supported missions. And you know what? God sent someone that we helped support in our place to reach people we'll never reach. By the way, you know what that's called? Fruit abounding to our account. Amen? 
the most, I can't even get us to grasp the full scope of what it means to invest in eternal things. But I'll just tell you, it's going to be worth it. Amen? All right? So let's lose our grip on this world. It grips us pretty tight, does it not? Yes. I'm speaking here for, for myself too, amen? It's easy to get caught up in the things of this life. But I get it. we got to live here, right? we got to live here. we got to do what we do. But folks, let me just say this. As the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, you know what our mentality ought to be? That of pilgrims, that of strangers, that of sojourners. We're just passing through this life, folks, okay? We're going to live there way longer than we're living here. Life on earth is not even a blip on the radar compared to eternity. And I've given you illustrations about that before. Shows try to illustrate the vastness of eternity. The human mind can't even comprehend the vastness of eternity. But let me just say this. We'll be there way longer than we live here. God has set it up in such a way to what we do here on earth with our time, treasures, and talents affect what's going to happen there. The way God has set it up. Amen? So let me just encourage you. All right? Hey, live for eternity. Be a good Samaritan. Look for the needs. By the way, you'll find me tomorrow. Guarantee you. Or should I say this? They'll probably find you. Okay, what are we going to do about it? We're just going to ignore it? Well, I ain't got time for that. I don't. I, I got this. I got that. Or we're going to look at that as God allowing that need to cross our path so we can do something about it. Amen? I'm not just talking about, you know, handing somebody 20 bucks for something. That's not what I'm talking about. Because let me just say this, folks. Even if you do help someone with a physical need, let me tell you what all that is. It's an opportunity then to help them with a spiritual need. Right. Because it's the spiritual needs that need addressed, not so much the physical needs. Now, I get it. Sometimes you've got to address the physical in order to be able to minister to the spiritual. But let me tell you, that's what it's really about. Amen? Right. And so come on, folks. Let's all join together with this Samaritan mentality and let's have compassion and make a difference in our community, in our in our country, and in our world. Amen? As we live as the Good Samaritan, as the parable Jesus talked to us uh, here in Luke chapter 10. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for...